Well, we live in a world that is full of pain, a world that is full of suffering, fear, danger. It's a difficult life that we live. And this, this broken and this, this cursed world continues to be the habitation. It continues to be the place where even the Christian lives. In case you haven't noticed, when we trust in Christ, we aren't immediately teleported to paradise. God, for His reasons, He allows us to continue living in this world. And He doesn't shield us from experiencing pain and heartbreak and sorrow and, and affliction. Maybe you've, I wonder if you've ever wondered about that. Like, why doesn't God just, just take us away? As soon as we trust in Christ and, and just bring us straight up into heaven. Why do we have to go on living in this world as we do? Why do Christians get diseases and lose their jobs and, and lose their loved ones? Why do, they, why do we have to go through all of these things? Well, we've been considering in the last few weeks Matthew 10. And there, Jesus, Jesus even talks about the special and unique sufferings that a Christian will face that even non-Christians, you know, won't necessarily have to face. It's, it's not just the, the normal troubles of life that the Christian has to endure. But beyond that, a Christian is persecuted for Christ's sake. We share in his sufferings. Jesus said that, in the world, you will have tribulation. That, that all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. He, he warned us that if they have slandered him, called them demons, what more will they do to those of his family, to us as, as Christians? This is why the Apostle Paul wrote in in 1 Corinthians 15, that if in this life only we had hope, we would of all people be most to be pitied. Because the Christian actually suffers more than the non-Christian in this world. If we're walking faithfully to Christ, this will be our lot. And maybe you've walked in here this morning and you're not a Christian, and you say, well, well man, Pastor, you're not doing a very good job of... Want me to convert, you know? I, I don't know about this. Well, I'm not finished yet. I'm not finished yet. Yes, we are promised suffering in this life, even more than, than the normal person. But in the face of all this, and even as our text this morning will show, as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, we share abundantly in His comforts, too. And His comfort is so sweet. Once you've experienced it, it's, it's worth suffering. It's worth going through those sufferings for, if only to, to be drawn closer to God and to experience His comfort. That's right. And this morning, we're going we're gonna to take a break from Matthew, and we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians and, and thinking a little bit this morning about what, what this passage this morning, 2 Corinthians 1, has for us in the way of comfort. This will be our theme this morning. God, knowing that He's calling us to endure, being real with us, that, 
just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you won't suffer. In fact, you'll suffer quite a, quite a lot in this life. He wants to give us solid grounds upon which our faith can rest. He wants to give us reasons to hope. And that's what he gives us this morning in our text. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. You can find this on page 906 in the Pew Bibles. 2 Corinthians 1, we're going to be, I'm going to read verses 3 through 5 this morning. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5. And this, 2 Corinthians is, is one of Paul's letters, the Apostle Paul, that he wrote to the church in Corinth. And it's, it opens up, it's uh, from he and his ministry partner and, and protege, Timothy. And they're writing to the church in Corinth and to the Christians in the surrounding region called Achaia. And in this letter, he seeks to clear up some misunderstandings between he and the Christians there in Corinth. And also to instruct them and to encourage them. And of course, this is God's inspired word. And the, the comfort, the instruction, the encouragement that he gives to these Corinthians, it applies to us too. It's relevant to us this morning here in America. So please follow along as I read 2 Corinthians 1, 3-5. Here's what it says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ. We, we share abundantly in comfort, too. Well, these verses are an expression of praise to God. Paul is, before he gets to the rest of his letter, he's just overflowing with thankfulness and gratitude. And he has to praise God. What does he praise God for? God's comfort. God's comfort. And the idea here, the specific thing that Paul is thanking God and praising God for is that God comforts his people in their affliction so that they can comfort others in their affliction. God comforts us so we can turn around and be agents of extending his comfort to others who are suffering. So to better understand this, we're going to break this text into three points of focus this morning. If you're taking notes, these will be our three points. First, we're going to focus on the God of comfort. The God of comfort. That'll be point number one. Second point will be the method of comfort. How is it that God comforts us? What does this look like in our lives? And, and thirdly, the purpose of comfort. The purpose of comfort. So first of all, point number one, let's consider the God of comfort. This is how God is described here. Look, look again at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. So where does comfort come from? It comes from God. God is the spring and the source of this refreshing, life-giving stream that flows to the parched and perishing souls here below. God is full of mercies. 
That word is, you know, it denotes compassion, an awareness and a sympathy for sufferers. God is not some distant, impersonal force. He is relational. He is involved. He's not absent. God stoops down to be involved in our lives. He is full of comfort for his children. Now, God the Father, the first person of the Trinity, is particularly in mind here in this blessing. He is addressed as the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, as well as the God of comfort. So Christ, the God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, he's the, the willing channel of this stream of comfort. It is he who makes it possible for the comfort of God to come to us. But that comfort is not, is not some stolen gift that Jesus has snuck into the treasury of heaven and, and stolen from the Father when the Father wasn't looking. No, this, this comfort comes from the Father. God the Father so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son. And whosoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, sometimes people mistakenly think that God the Father is some angry judge, and God the Son is always just trying to appease Him and to keep Him from, from pouring out His wrath upon us. But this is not the case. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all three persons of the Trinity are in unison. They're of one mind and one accord to show mercy to sinners, to love those who have hated Him, to bestow benefits on the undeserving. There is no disagreement or disharmony in the Trinity. Why was Jesus so full of compassion for sinners? Why did He come to help those who could not help themselves? Why did He come to save those who didn't deserve to be saved? He was carrying out the will of His Father. He was extending the love and compassion of His Father to us. And of course, He was doing so willingly as well. So God the Father is the Father of mercies, the source of mercies. And, and Jesus Christ is the, the channel in full agreement and in perfect harmony with the mercy of His Father, willingly accomplishing His Father's plans. So how do these descriptions relate to, to God's character as the, the God of comfort? Because that's what we're kind of focusing more on this morning, the God of all comfort. Well, notice that Jesus, in verse 3, is described as He who is our Lord. Our Lord, Jesus Christ. Now, Paul and Timothy, who are writing, the human authors of this letter, they are writing as those who have trusted in this Jesus Christ. Their lives are submitted to Him. He is their Savior and their Lord. And the point here being, is that you cannot know God as the God of comfort. You cannot know Him as the Father of mercies unless Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior. Apart from Christ, apart from His atonement, apart from Him paying the, the infinite debt of our sins, we would have nothing to expect from God but His just judgment. Because all of us, as the Scriptures say, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so though God, though God desires to show mercy, He is also a God of holiness and justice, 
who will by no means clear the guilty. He will judge. And on that day, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit will be united in casting sinners into hell for all of eternity. Now that's an unpopular thing to say in these days, but believe it or not, Jesus said more about hell than anybody else. You know, this, well, this is not as if the God of the Old Testament was some angry deity, and then Jesus comes on the scene and he's different. No. Who, who comes at the end with a sword coming from his mouth to strike down the nations? It's Jesus. On that day, who will people be calling for the, the rocks and the, the mountains to fall on them and hide them from? The Lamb. Hide us from the wrath of the Lamb, they say. But apart from the mercy of God, apart from the cross, that is all we would have to expect from God. And we can't complain about that because, truth be told, when we stand before God on that day and the accounts are read, all of our trespasses, all of the times we have lived for ourselves, broken God's law, not loved Him, not loved others as He's called us to, we will have no excuse. Our mouths will be stopped. And we will, the only thing we'll be able to say is, is yes, I am guilty. There'll be no place to hide on that day. So, in order to, to know God the Father as the God of comfort and the Father of mercies, the cross had to happen. The cross was crucial. It was necessary. And the reason God sent His only begotten Son, the reason Christ came, was to pay the debt for our sins. To take upon Him the, the wrath and the punishment that we deserved so that we could know His Father as the God of comfort and the Father of mercies. And the way in which you can, can know Him as such is you have to come through His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Himself said that He's the only way to the Father. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so this morning, if you want to know the Father is the Father of mercies and the God of comfort, what you are called to do is to repent, to turn your life over to Him, to trust in Jesus Christ and His death on the cross, to pay for your sins, and His resurrection from the dead as your vindication, to, to, to believe upon Him. If you have any questions about what that would look like in your life, have I trusted in Him? Have I believed on Him? Please come talk to me after the service. God calls all people everywhere to repent and to believe upon His Son. And, and God warns us so strongly because He doesn't want us to be unaware of the danger that we face. And He is a God that takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And so His warnings come, come very sternly, even from the lips of Jesus Himself. Because God is a God of love. And today, He is extending mercy to you. Perhaps you have not trusted in Christ. Today, this morning, He's, he's warning you. So that you too can partake of His mercies. And know Him as the God of comfort. Well, again, if you have any questions about that, please come and talk to me after the service. But God the Father here, he's, he's the God of comfort because of the cross of Christ. Because, because Jesus died on the cross, this comfort can come to us. 
Now, as I've alluded to already, just because we trust in Him doesn't mean that we somehow escape the sufferings of this life. Just, just because we are Christians doesn't mean we won't be persecuted and suffer loss and, and pain and fears. So what sort of comfort is this? How, how can we get in on this comfort? How does this comfort come to us once we've come to Christ? Maybe you're, maybe you're here this morning and you're like, I am a Christian, I've trusted in Christ, but I'm, I'm going through a hard time. This brings us to our second point, the method of comfort. We've looked at the God of comfort now. Let's consider the method of comfort. Look at our text in verse 4. It says that this God, this Father of mercies, this God of all comfort, it, he, he comforts us in all our affliction. He comforts us in all our affliction. Now the word affliction here is, you know, Synonym would be distress, an oppressive state of physical, mental, social, or economic adversity. So this is a troubling situation, and we're going to, Paul's going to describe one here in just a moment. But it's trouble from without that affects us within. And to us, in that, in that situation, God comes to us with comfort, which means uh, to, to alleviate sorrow or distress, to give emotion to strength that we did not have and we would not have apart from Him. Now, notice here that He doesn't He doesn't alleviate our sorrow and and relieve the distress by keeping us from adversity. He He doesn't wrap us in bubble wrap so that nothing ever touches us. That's not His way. He comforts us. In all our affliction. In all our affliction. Like Israel of old in the Old Testament, he means to bring us to the promised land, but the way there is the way through the desert, through the wilderness, through that forsaken land where there is danger and difficulty, and we will be forced to trust on him. He leads us, whether by day or by night, with His Word as the lamp unto our feet and the light to our path. He brings us to an end of ourselves, and an end of our own resources, in order to show us, like He showed the Israelites, that man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. God. In order that, that He can feed us with that manna from heaven and cause us to drink that water from the rock. Paul describes some of his affliction, starting in verse 8. Look at what Paul was going through. He, he describes some of the things he suffered. He says, We do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. I wonder if any of you have ever been so burdened that you just said, this is it. So fear-stricken that you despaired of life itself. And you thought, I can't go on. This is beyond my strength. Well, this is, this is where the Apostle Paul, this is where he was. We don't know exactly uh, what, what situation he's talking about here. It could have been the time when he was in Ephesus. And the whole city was in an uproar and was calling for him, 
for his death. But whatever the situation was, it was beyond his strength. And Paul readily admits that. Later on in this letter, Paul recounts some of the other things he'd endured as, as he witnessed for Christ. He speaks of being imprisoned many times with countless beatings and often near death. Five times, he says, I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. I don't know if there's maybe anyone in the course of history who's suffered as much as the Apostle Paul. Listen, just because you are a holy person, just because you're close to God, doesn't mean you won't suffer tremendously. Just because you suffer, it doesn't mean that God is somehow angry with you. And that he's somehow punishing you for some sin. Paul was a man who was severely abused, physically, verbally, and emotionally. And so, wait a second, we're, we're holding this guy up as, and he's, he's going to lecture us on the comfort of God? This, this severe abuse victim who's been through so much, he's going he's gonna to tell us about the comfort of God? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Because this one, amazingly, through all of that, in the, in the midst of all of that, in all of his affliction, he was able to find comfort. He was able even to rejoice, have peace that passed understanding. You know, there's, there's peace that the world gives. That's not the peace that Jesus gives. The peace that he gives is a peace that passes understanding. It doesn't make sense. How could someone have peace in the middle of that storm? Well, if they know the one who could sleep through the storm and who could get up and calm it with a word, that's how. God sometimes burdens us beyond our strength so that we will come to see how powerful He is, so that we'll rely on His strength. He strengthens our faith in this way. Look what Paul says down in, uh, down in verse 9. He talks about being burdened beyond our strength. So they despaired of life itself. And then he goes on, he says, Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But then he gives the reason. He says, you know, this was no accident. He says, but this was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Burdened beyond their strength to the point of despairing of life, so that they would rely on the God who raises the dead. So I'm imagining Paul and his companions, I don't know if they were hiding somewhere or, or locked up somewhere, 
just awaiting at any moment for those guards to come and take them out to the arena to be fed to the hungry lions, or maybe burned to death, die some painful and, and horrific death before the cheering crowds. And in that moment, as they're despairing of life itself, as they're going through this deep, intense, emotional trauma, in that moment, something happens. God comforts them in their affliction before they've even been delivered because they did escape this affliction. But in that moment, they came to rely on the one who raises the dead. So I don't know if one of the one of Paul or Paul or one of his friends, maybe they maybe the thought was brought to their minds by the Holy Spirit that you know what? Remember our Lord and Savior, how he died on the cross. And remember, that tomb is empty. Jesus, he got up and he walked out. You know, that's the God we serve. That's the God who's got our back. Even if we die, he is able to raise us from the dead, and he promises to bring us to himself. In that moment, their, their faith was strengthened as never before. This is how God comforts us. He doesn't comfort us by giving us an easy path through life where we don't ever have to suffer. But he brings us to things that are beyond our strength, and then he brings in his comfort. Now think about uh, the ways that, that we might look for comfort as we go through difficult situations. You know, we might look to, to comfort ourselves by distracting ourselves. You know, like just getting our mind off of our pain, maybe go to the movies, uh, just, just go to a party or something, I just need to not think about this. Um, or maybe we, we go to denial. You know, a lot of Eastern religions, they, they try to deny that there is such a thing as pain or evil or suffering. Or maybe, you know, we, we turn to some, some substance like, you know, alcohol abuse or drugs in order to, you know, have a temporary escape so we don't have to face the, the difficulty, the affliction that we're going through. But this is not God's comfort. This is not the way God comforts us. He comforts us with revealing us to us who He is. This is how Paul and his companions found comfort, by relying on the God who raises the dead. There was something about the character of God, something about what God had done that gave them, it gave them a foundation for their tottering faith in that moment, that gave them strength. It was a fresh sight of who God is. Listen, theology, Knowing God, knowing about His power, His sovereignty, His wisdom, the more you know Him, the more foundation you will have whenever you go through difficult things in life for your faith, the more comfort you will be able to draw from Him. Our comfort is found by looking to God. He is our comfort, the God of comfort. God comforts us with himself. And where do we find, you know, just to be extra specific, where do we look? Where do we find this? Well, we find it in the scriptures. We, we find it in passages like this, where, where Paul, where we see all the things he suffered, and we're like, man, I can, 
I can relate. Maybe I don't suffer quite as much as him, but I, I felt like that before. How did, how did he find strength? How did he find comfort? Where we read about how God has revealed to us who he is. You know, God is relational. But I think we, we expect to just hear, hear a voice from heaven. You know, we're, we're overstimulated by the, by the television, by the constant music and noise. And we don't, we don't often give God's word a chance to, to sit and, and to, to study it, to pour over it, to spend time thinking and reflecting about the words and their meaning. It's on the pages of this book that God meets with us and that His Holy Spirit administers comfort to the souls of His children. So know God, know His comfort from His Word. He gives us strength to endure, strength to heal, strength to smile again. But listen, He doesn't stop there. This brings us to our third point, the purpose of comfort. The purpose of comfort. God doesn't just comfort us for our own sakes, just so that we can kind of get our lives back together and carry on. No, God has something much more glorious in mind. Look at verse 4. He comforts us in all our affliction, so that, here's the reason, here's the purpose, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So think of a, you know, going to a great physician, the great physician, and he administers the, the needed medicine to our souls, without which we would be just continuing to suffer. And as he, as he is in the process of healing us, he gives us the task of bringing that medicine to others. He doesn't call us to go and, and make something new or make some kind of new medicine, but to comfort others with the comfort with which we ourselves have been comforted. To bring that, to pass it on to someone else who is suffering. You know, the best uh, doctors and nurses are those who, who serve not just for money, but because of a, a deep passion, a deep compassion for those who are hurting and suffering. A desire to see them made well, to be healthy again. To, to run again, to smile again, to have relief from their pain. Listen, this is, this is the heart of compassion that God wants us to have and that He gives us for others. He gives us His merciful disposition. And then He gives us the joy and the privilege of enabling us to extend that comfort to others, to carry that forward. He gives us he fulfills that desire that He gives us to comfort. And so to get practical again here, think about how we, we might comfort others. Because this is the purpose of, of comfort. We may comfort others with God's comfort. But how do we go about comforting others? What does that look like? What might that look like this afternoon? Well, first of all, it would require us to be aware those around us, to, to be doing life enough with people that, that we kind of know, we can sense that they're suffering, that we can be real enough where if we ask them how they're doing, they wouldn't just say, oh, fine. You know, we, we can dig a little bit deeper and say, how are you really doing? And they can say, well, actually, it's been a tough week. 
and then we, we listen to them. You know, God is described in Scripture as the one who is near to the broken heart and the God who hears prayer. And, and one of the things that when we pray, it's as though we've, we've been heard. We, we get that relief. And as Christians, we ought to also listen to others. Don't rush in and, and try to just give them a, a quick cure because you're impatient. You've got better things to do. No, take time out of your day. Listen to them. Bear one another's burdens, as the scriptures say. Sympathize with them as Christ sympathizes with us. Step into their shoes and walk a mile. Weep with them that weep. And then connect them with the comfort of God. You know, maybe, maybe you haven't been through what they've been through. Maybe you need to connect them with someone else who, who has more wisdom to speak in that area. But maybe, uh, maybe you have. Maybe you have some experience that is, that is similar to theirs, and, and you have found the God of all comfort to comfort you in that situation. Well, we'll share with them. What, what is it about God's character? What promise did I hold on to whenever I felt like I was drowning in a sea of, of misery? What was it that held me up? What scriptures did I meditate on? Let me share those with you. Let me pray with you. You know, sometimes we can comfort people by just, just trying to distract them. You know, like, they're going through a really hard time, and we just, and we say, well, let's, let's go to a movie. Let's, let's get our minds off of this for a little bit. And listen, I'm not saying that's necessarily wrong. That could be a good temporary measure. You know, like a, like a tourniquet to slow down the bleeding while you can get them to some more permanent care. But don't stop. Don't simply distract. Give them the comfort of God. The comfort that He gives. Sometimes, and I've been guilty of this, we try to comfort people by telling them, you know what, it'll be okay. Just, just trust me, it'll be alright. But what are we asking them to do? We're asking them to just take our word for it, to trust us. That's, that's not going to really people who have lived long enough to know that sometimes things don't turn out okay. Sometimes things aren't all right. You want me to take your word for it, you young whippersnapper? Listen, don't, don't just give them that. Give them, bring them to the God of all comforts. Give them one of His promises to rest their faith on, to find comfort in. Direct them to Him. And the more we know His Word, and the more suffering God brings us through and, and comforts us through, the more we're, we're forced to not rely on ourselves, but to rely on Him, that will become at comforting others with God's comforts. As Christians, though, we cannot escape the responsibility that God calls us to comfort one another. At the end of this letter, at the end of 2 Corinthians, that's one of the commands that Paul gives. He says, comfort one another. In the local church, God means for us to be involved in each other's lives, to be sensitive to one another's pain, and to comfort one another. Not with, not with what we have to offer, again, with the comfort of God, with the comfort of God. So, members of Emmanuel Baptist, this is part of your responsibility as a church member. What sufferings have, have you gone through? How have you found God's comfort in those sufferings? Do 
Do you know of another church member who's going through something? Are you aware of, of their pain? Maybe you're here this morning and you're in the middle of it. You're, you're lost in the woods of suffering and affliction. And you don't know how you're going to get out. What an encouragement it is to look to, look to the, the rim of that valley and see other Christians, weak as you, who have made it through. Who are standing up there on the hill. And who can, who can turn around and call back and say, I, I can lead you out. I can point you where to walk. Where, where, I, I can show you that path of faith to get you through. That's what we're here for. That's what it means to be a family of Christians. That's what it means to be the local church. We're meant to do life together and to comfort one another. Well, parents, let me address you real quickly before we close. Uh, this is one way you can also be pointing your children to Christ. Where do you turn whenever you're facing adversity, whenever you're going through a difficult time? Do, do they see you looking to God, to the God of all comfort? And do they, do they see that, wow, mom or dad, they, they go through difficult times, but they, there's something about when they, when they go to their Word, the Word of God, whenever they pray, or maybe they go and they talk to some other Christians and they pray for them, they come back and they, they, they're different. They're, they're comforted. They have peace, even though the circumstances haven't changed. This, is, this, is, this can be part of our gospel witness to our children and to the watching world around us as they see that, that God has a comfort. God has a, a healing that he gives that not even all the experts out there in the world can offer. God's healing, the comfort he gives, makes, makes all of their medicine look like snake oil. God heals as no one else can. All true comfort, all lasting and real comfort, comes from the God of comfort, the Father of mercies. Well, all I have for this morning. Think about someone that you can be comforting this week, even this afternoon. If you're going through a hard time, um, if you're going through a difficult time, don't, don't be hesitant to admit that to someone, to talk to them. None of us here are perfect. We don't have all the answers. But we know that somebody who does. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you so much that you love us, that your heart is full of compassion for us, and that through Jesus Christ, you have demonstrated your love for us in the greatest way imaginable. You have given up what was most dear to you, your only begotten Son, so that we can be a part of your family and have your comfort. Oh, what a costly comfort this was. To, to to us in this way. And yet, Lord, you spared no expense. Christ came freely and willingly, gave his, his very self for us. And so, Lord, help us. Help us to look to him. And as we're strengthened, as we're comforted, to give of ourselves to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.